Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. So anyway, I want to, I want to kind of throw, I want, what I want to do today is, I want to throw like a curveball at you a little bit, because today you're not, you're not, I'm going to come at you at a little bit of a different uh, angle today. So you see this today, we, we call it Palm Sunday, right? You guys, were any of you Catholic? Did any of you grow up Catholic? Catholic. And uh, you go to church and you get the palm. Remember that? Okay. Which is cute. I'm not against the palms. I don't want you to get upset with me now. <laughs> but here's the thing. The, the main part of today is not about a palm. <laughs> if there was like a main character that wasn't Jesus, because he's always like the main character. People are like, I just need Jesus. Jesus, all I have is Jesus. All right, well, you're going to read in the scripture, well, Jesus needs a donkey. So just hold off there on all I need is Jesus. Because that's, that's what, you know, Adam, all he had was Jesus, and, and the Lord's like, well, you, you need Eve. So, so we, get, we get religious, all I need is Jesus. Like, I, I, anyway, so, 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 okay. So if there would be like a second main character in today's uh, situation, it would not be the pastor or the high priest. It would actually be a donkey. All right, not, not that donkey. <laughs> not an elephant or, or a donkey. The main character is always the lamb. But if there would be like a second, like who's, you know, the second star of the show, you know, the, the, the name on, on, not on the, you know, right to the right of the, the main, it would be a donkey. I just want to let you know that because that is what was prophesied about in Zechariah 9.9. And we're going we're gonna to get into that, but um, I'm going to come at you from a different angle today. And this could be a hostage situation. Brett, you have your, your mask on? You got your mask over there? All right, he's ready to lock the doors. And so, listen, I want to just say something graciously. If you're finished, this is what Bill Johnson says. He's nicer than me. If you are finished before we are, you can leave. So I don't want you to feel hostaged, but today we may get into it a little bit. So I'm just letting you know. And in my church that I came from was so long that I used to sneak granola bars in and eat them in the front row because it would be like a marathon. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he knows it's true. And uh, anyway, we would worship until we break through, which is something we got to get in the habit of. We're going to worship until we break through. I don't know if you noticed that, but it went, when we finally got through, you know, it, it was something different in, in, in the environment. Sometimes you have to keep pressing like you know when you're hitting a pinata you got to smack that thing until it breaks loose and so that's how you have to learn in your life to pray and to seek the lord you have to just sometimes press all right matthew uh mark luke and john all tell the story so we're going to read all of them and i'm just like i'm just like i would love to do that but uh we're not going to do that so we're going to start in john and then we, we may work our way back to Mark, as the Lord leads us. Okay. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. And they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In Hebrew, it's Baruch Abba Bashem Adonai, with blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All right. King of Israel, 
Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, and it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt, which is an uncastrated donkey. It's important. The donkey cannot be castrated. He has to be an uncastrated donkey. I'm going <laughs> to, we're going to leave that alone. But this is something powerful here because what's happening here is Zechariah 9.9 is being fulfilled. And his disciples did not understand these things. But when, they had, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him, that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him uh, when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness for this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. So the, this is the Pharisees talking to the Pharisees. This is like when you know that there's trouble in the enemy's camp. Now their trouble and their insecurity is coming out. They're saying uh, very clearly, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Say nothing. Unless you're convinced that the world has nothing to offer you, unless you're convinced that the religious system that is controlled and manipulated by men has nothing to offer you, you will always live for what you believe has something to offer you. If I didn't believe that Jesus had something to offer me, I would not serve Jesus. I know that some of you just are not in it for you and you are just amazing and you work 70 hours a week for free because you don't care about money and you are so holy. But I'm not like that, just to be honest with you. If I was not convinced that serving Jesus would benefit me in this life and in the life to come, I would not do it. Now, that doesn't remove persecution out of the equation. So I'm not talking about some fantasy land, name it and claim it. I'm talking about a life full of purpose with pressure and persecution. But if we didn't believe that he had something to offer, why would we call him king and why would we serve him? It doesn't make sense. Sometimes people come to church and they turn their brain off. It's like, no, the Pharisees are in trouble because they know their system is devoid of power. It lacks power, so the whole world is going after him. They're, they're noticing that if we leave him alone, everyone is going to be drawn to him. What? Because when he speaks, things move. When he prays, when, when he commands sickness to go, it goes. When he speaks to demons, they leave. When he speaks to people, he speaks the language of people's hearts. He has the attention of the people because he, when he speaks, eternal life comes forth. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So things move when he speaks. Things do not move when they speak. And they're recognizing, uh-oh, we're not being successful we have accomplished nothing. <laughs> Look, the whole world has gone after him. Okay, 
Now there were certain Greeks among those who came to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now you have Gentiles, Greeks, who want to see Jesus. Can I tell you something? When, when, when something is hot, or when someone is hot, people want to see it. There's a drawing, there is a pull. I don't know if you felt that, but this is what's happening. You have Gentiles, people that Jesus is not even speaking to or ministering to, they're coming to seek him. So there's something moving. Philip came and told Andrew, and uh, in turn, uh, Andrew also, uh, excuse me, Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So now it's, this is like they're hearing through the grapevine of, of what is happening, okay? This is Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something that he says, and then I'm going to go back to Mark. But Jesus answered, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, my servant may be also. If anyone, listen to this, listen to this. If anyone serves me, listen to this with your spirit. Listen to this. If anyone serves me, my father will honor him. What did I tell you before we got religified? If I didn't believe that serving Jesus had anything for me, we wouldn't do it. We'll see how long you work for no pay. That's all right. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant may be also. So this is what is most important in serving Jesus is learning to be with Jesus. That is number one. We, we always want to do something, achieve something, build something, paint something, Take a picture of something, buy something, have something, do something, become something. And Jesus is like, oh, wait a second, wait, that's all great. Just come sit with me. I want you to, to be with me. This is his desire. Where, where I am, my servant may be also. God, his main love language is not gifts. It's not your little words of affirmation so he feels better about himself. Oh, you're beautiful, Jesus. Oh, I was feeling quite ugly today, Adam. Thank you. No, no. The main thing with Jesus is that he wants to be with us. He wants us in his presence. You know what, what God wants from you? He wants more of you. What does God want from me? More of me. Okay. My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me for this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by heard it, that it thundered, and others said an angel spoke to him. Guess what? The people with the fast reaction, who are not slow to speak, 
are both wrong. <laughs> They're both wrong. The, the knee-jerk reaction, it was an angel. Uh, uh, it was thunder. You're both wrong. Be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. Be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. You don't know what you're talking about. My pastor used to tell us, shut up. Don't say that. Shut up. Me and Christian used to, shut up, Christian. Don't, don't be, 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 be slow to speak. You, hold up. We don't, we don't need your commentary. They're both wrong. Both people who, who were quick to offer their commentary were incorrect. Okay. The older I get, the more I realize my opinion doesn't matter. I was going to share it with someone the other day, and the Lord told me, your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'll just turn Netflix on. So Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he should die. There's the interpretation to his last statement. I don't interpret it. The Bible just interpreted it. Remember I tell you opinions are not really all that important? Okay. Now, we're going to go back to Mark. But before we go back to Mark, I want to focus on the next day. Say the next day. day. You know what this day is? This day is the 10th of Nisan. You know what happens on the 10th of Nisan? The 10th of Nisan is the day in which the lamb is selected. Okay. Now, this is important. Mark 10. We're going to go there now. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, so he's on the Mount of Olives, okay? And he's coming down from the Mount of Olives into the city. Are you with me? All right. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, as you soon have entered into it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. Now Jesus is moving in the spirit. He's moving in the seeing gift. He's moving in the word of knowledge. He sees it. He, he's moving, you know, he, he's, he, he sees. He's a seer. He's God. He's fully God and fully man. But he's also giving them prophetic instructions With a clause, in case it goes wrong, here's what you do. Watch. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. Here's us. All I need is Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is like, I need that donkey. (laughs) Bring me the donkey. All I need is Jesus. All right. I love it. Anyway, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. So now let me just give you a context. So a donkey, a uncastrated colt is a young donkey and it, it, no one has ever sat on it before. So it's brand new. 
It's like a brand new donkey. This is like a brand new Denali pickup truck coming right out of the dealership. Why? Because a donkey was, was something that they was used in the ancient world to transport like a pickup truck. I don't know if you've been in Haiti or, or whatever, but you will be absolutely shocked how much a little mule can handle. I mean, these things are, they're ugly and they're short. They kind of look dumb, but they are strong and they can really carry a lot of stuff. Now, you go to Haiti, you can see them carrying a bunch of little, little goats on them. Or you can see them carrying people and a bunch of goats. Or you can see them carrying water people, a lady with stuff on her head and a few goats. It's very, my point is that this animal, by the way, was an expensive animal, was not cheap. Poor people did not have mules. So you know. This is like a, this is like a new car, so to speak. A brand new car because it's used for transport. So you have to see that this day is about this scripture being fulfilled in Zechariah 9.9. That your king is coming on a colt, on, on a donkey that is not castrated and has never been ridden before. And this is how you will identify your king. Now everybody knows, I don't know if you know this, but everyone knows that kings do not really ride donkeys. Have you ever seen a donkey? <laughs> Have you ever felt, let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked at your life and felt disappointed? <laughs> like, imagine they announce you're king and you roll up in a Toyota Corolla. Like, yeah, I'm king. Like, oh, whoa. <laughs> like, dang, son. I mean, king of what? That's sad, you know? I mean, that's difficult, man. <laughs> so, so kings ride on white horses. There's a certain level of a horse that a king would ride on. But Jesus is not that type of king. Now, he's going to come on a white horse. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. In Revelation 19, yeah, yeah, people get it confused. Don't get too confused. He, he came first on a donkey. But he's going to come on a white horse. So, so if, let me tell you this. If you didn't receive him on a donkey, it's not going to be too hot when he shows up on a white horse Amen. with his vesture dipped in blood. Uh, that's not going to be a hot day. For those that didn't receive him on a donkey. So this is something. So they went their way and found the colt tied to the door outside on the street. And they loosed it. But some of those who stood there, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus. And they threw their clothes on it. And sat on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna. We sang that song today. I love that song. 
Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went to Bethany with the twelve. Now, the next scene he, he does is he curses the fig tree in the next morning. And then he goes into the temple and he cleanses the temple, fulfilling the prophecy of Malachi that he comes to purify the sons of Levi. And he, and he goes in there, flips the tables, makes a whole scene, and he does it in perfect love. And that's why our, our idea of love is we're, we're used to soft love, and some of you need tough love. Soft love hasn't helped some of you. Honestly, I'm sorry. So, so this, is, this, is, this is it. So on the 10th day of Nisan, according to Exodus, the 12th chapter, the children of Israel were to select a lamb. Right? Yes or no? Check it out. Fact check me. And guess what happened with the little lamby? For you animal lovers, do you love animals? Cute. The little lamby came into your house. And you touched the little lamby and you were friendly with the little lamby. And then, four days later, the lamb gets slain. And the blood of the lamb, come on, are you with me? Do you guys remember this? It gets put on the doors of the house. Do you remember that? And the angel of death will pass over when he sees the blood of the lamb. This is what Christians do. Christians are crazy. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus doesn't protect you from the devil. The blood of Jesus protects you from the wrath of God. Amen. <laughs> People casting out demons, they say the blood of Jesus. They don't even, it is the name of Jesus that moves demons. Now, if you talk about the blood of Jesus' demons, you will bother the demons and they'll act up. That's why we do it. But the blood of Jesus doesn't protect you from the devil. The blood of Jesus protects you from the wrath of God that is against sin and the judgment of God that is on all false gods. For people that worship their children and idolize their children, the last false god to be destroyed in Egypt was the firstborn son. That's another message. We'll leave that there. So, so now, on the 10th day of Nisan, they would select the lamb. And they would familiarize themselves with the lamb. They would bring the lamb into their house. So the lamb being slain was personal. It has to affect how you feel. Anything that is personal has to affect you on the inside. They didn't just go buy a lamb, kill it, and that's it. No, 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 no. They brought it into their house. They were familiar with it. Yeah, that's right. It has to become personal to you. If, it doesn't, if it's not personal, there will be no change. It has to become deeply personal and completely intrinsic. It has to, the lamb has to move into the house 
And you have to have to you have to you have to acquire some love for the lamb. They were supposed to eat the lamb, but they couldn't boil it. They had to burn it with fire. They had to cook it. They had to roast it and eat it. It's meat. And they had to eat the Passover in a hurry with their belt on, ready to move. You, you know something? You, we have to be ready to move. Some of us are not ready. There's too many stipulations, too many difficulties. I don't like this. I can't do that. I don't like, you, have to be, you have to bring the lamb in. You have to ingest the lamb. And you have to let the lamb make you ready to move. Move. You, you got to be ready to move. If you're going to be in the kingdom, you got to be ready in season and out of season. You got to be ready. You got to stay ready. So, so this, is, this is something here. So they select the lamb again on the 10th day of Nisan. So now the lamb of God is sitting on a donkey, a colt, and he's on the Mount of Olives. And he's, he quotes Psalm 118, which we read earlier. You want me to read it again? I'll read it for you. Psalm 118, which is a fascinating psalm. Psalm 118, actually Psalm 118 verse 8 is the actual dead center of the Bible, which says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. That's the direct center of the whole Bible. (laughs) Very next verse, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes or politicians. Don't put your your confidence in a in a in a in a in a donkey or in an elephant. You you better put your confidence in the lamb. Amen. Now, this is twenty two. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. It, this was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is what Jesus sang on the Mount of Olives. This is what they think. He's on the Mount of Olives on the little colt. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. With the cross before him, with everything before him, this is the attitude that he's approaching his greatest challenge. Jesus viewed the cross as a doorway back to the Father. he, He viewed the most difficult season as a doorway back to the Father. Save now, I pray, O Lord. I pray, send now prosperity. Watch the very next verse. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. All right. So that's that's what Jesus is uh, saying. Now, let me go back to Mark. And let's finish up in Mark here because we have, it's already too late, but that's all right. Mark 11, back to 11. And many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and they cried out saying, Hosanna, we got to that part. Now he goes back to Bethany. And let me just say one thing to you now. During Passover, palms are not present. They're not present. Just so you know. There's no palms in Passover. I hate to disrupt everyone. I hate to really mess you up. And, but let me tell you where, where, where palms come in. Tabernacles. 
You know what tabernacles is? To dwell. He came to dwell among us. Remember that? John 1. Okay. So here's what happens and here's what's happening. We have to read this culturally. Many times we miss it. We don't understand the culture. 200 years before Judah Maccabee won a victory over the Greek Macedonian oppressors, they threw palm branches down as he came into the city to become king. Now Judah Maccabee was not of the lineage of David, so he could not have been a fulfillment of the prophecy, number one. And number two, he tried to do God's will his way. You cannot fulfill the, the word of the Lord your way. You cannot take things into your own hands. That's not how this kingdom works. This is not hustle, grind, hustle, grind, uh, uh, no days off, loyalty. Uh. No, no, no. This is not that. Now, most people that talk about loyalty are not even loyal to themselves. This, this, this is loyal people don't be like, oh, I'm loyal. They're just loyal. <laughs> loyal. <laughs> anyway, so you cannot serve God your way. I cannot serve God my way. Do you understand that? Are you, are you guys with me? You can smile. This is all good news, by the way. Thank you, sir. We <laughs> got a lot. <laughs> <We> got a <laughs> so anyway, all right. So now Judah Maccabee, now because of this victory, he, he basically became now, if you're a cat, if you're Catholic, you have remember the Maccabees was in your Bible? Now that was a part of the historic. Uh, account. We don't, we don't, as Christians, we don't believe that that is authoritative like John, but we believe it is historic, which is important. It would actually probably do us some good to understand a little history because we don't really understand a lot of that. So anyway, that's another story. We'll, we'll, we'll just leave that alone for now, but he became, his family lineage became king for, I don't know, a couple, like a couple, like hundred or a couple hundred years after this victory. When he was marching into the city, guess what they put? They put the palms down. So when they put the palms down, you know what they're saying? They're saying, Hosanna! Yeah, you know what Hosanna means? That you're going to come in and overthrow Rome. The song shifts in less than five days from Hosanna to crucify him. And the favor of man runs out real quick when you don't do what people want. Real quick, people love you until you say, no, that's not how you do it. No, we're going to hold off on that. Eh. Then we see how much people love you. Abner Spar, as my good friend said, authority is only an idea until someone tells you to sit down and shut up. Then you find out if you really respect authority or you like to do whatever you want to do. <laughs> that's another message. But anyway, we'll leave all that alone. So, so what's happening here is that the, the people are so moved by Jesus that they take their clothes. Now, remember when Jehu became king? No, maybe not. That's all right. Jehu, who's important, he's very important. You know what he did? He killed Jesse. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> Jehu killed Jesse. Ahab's kiki. <laughs> A little cultural, <laughs> cultural wang there, hood church. Uh, uh, and so th this is something here because 
When Jehu became king, they took all the, the, the clothes and all that stuff and they threw it on the floor and, you know, he rode with a horse over it. But that is a kingly announcement. You, you hear them plain as day say, king of the Jews. They, they, but, but to them, it doesn't mean what it means. You know, that's why, you know, Jesus' best guys, they were like, so can we sit to your left and your right? They were not talking about on the cross. <laughs> they were saying like uh, 401k with good benefits. Uh, good stock options. And can I sit on the board? <laughs> like, they, 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 you know, and they didn't get it. They, even his best guys didn't get it. But Jesus knew the purpose for which he came. So what, is he going to pray that he wouldn't suffer when he knows that that's what he came to do? Why? He's the lamb. Okay. During this same time, this is, this is ironic, there's always parody and humor and there's always politics involved. I know that some of you are like, I don't talk about politics. All right, well, I'm sorry to hear that. But what's happening is, Guess who's coming to town for Passover? Come on. We already heard Jesus. We know that. Is there someone else coming? Come on, guys. Work with me. Anyone know? Hey, Pilate. Pilate. Ding, 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 ding. Joseph, one boy for the deacon. So Pilate's coming to town. And do you think, hold on. Do you think Pilate is going to sit on a mule? No. He's going to sit on a Mercedes Benz, <laughs> not a Toyota Corolla. Yep, he's coming in on a white horse because he's, he's like, in his mind, he's the governing authority. In his mind. <laughs> That's another situation. So, while Herod, while Pilate, rather, is, is cutting off of a boat, and while he's coming on a horse into Jerusalem to celebrate the feast because he's the governor and he's the one who has authority to release prisoners. And so there's a whole different thing happening right now. There's a whole different vibe because you got a one guy who feels as if he's in charge and he's coming in on a horse, boom, boom, boom. And you got another guy coming in on a donkey with a little donkey. But the kingdom of God is behind him, and death is not going to hold him in that grave. And the most powerful army in the world is not going to hold him in that grave. But first, he's got to die. So why? Jesus goes from the Mount of Olives into the city, directly into the temple. Where do you think they got lambs? In the temple. Outside the temple, but inside the temple facilities. So he, the lamb, shows up on the 10th day of Nisan where they would go and get lambs. And he's saying, I'm here. The lamb is here. And because the lamb had to be blemished, not, it cannot be blemished, it had to be blemish-free, how do you think lambs would be brought in? Cat, hey, ding, 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 point for merit. 
<laughs> you, you just got a bonus point. So now, think, think of this. Just, 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 there's simultaneously all these things happening. There's about 250,000 lambs in the next few hours that are going to be slain in the next few days. 250, a quarter million lambs. This is big business, lambs. You know where Jesus is from? Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem is? The Jewish side and the Jewish meaning is the house of bread. What comes after Passover? The Feast of Unleavened. <laughs> then, on the other side, the Arabic Habibi side. Habibi. It means the house of meat. Bethlehem is where the lambs came from. When, when the angels came to announce, this is a Christmas message, when the angels came to announce peace on earth and goodwill toward men, guess who they came to announce them to? The shepherds who were raising and nurturing lambs. You know, when God was looking for a king, you know, he sent the prophet to those same hills in Bethlehem where there was a little boy on the backside of the mountain when no one was looking, learning to get private victories. Why? Because your public life will never be more powerful than your private victory. And he is the king. Blessed is the kingdom of our father who? David. From Bethlehem. Overlooked by his own father, seen by God. Don't worry about who sees you. Focus on God seeing you. Don't worry about man. Forget about that. Your promotion comes from the Lord. The Lord will do what the Lord wants to do when the Lord wants to do it, and no one is going to stop it. Don't focus on man. Jesus came to Jerusalem on that day and went into the temple, which is where they would get lambs in that cultural context. He announced himself as the Lamb of God who is going to be slain. And for his best guys who couldn't get it, he said, oh, you know, the kernel of wheat has to go into the ground and die. He has to go over and over and over and over again with his best people. You know people are your best people when you got to go over and over and over again because they stick around. But eventually they get it, the same way eventually we get it. It's okay. It's part of it. Now, in less than a week, the song shifts from Hosanna to crucify him. And this is what happens with us when God doesn't do what we want when we want it how we want it. Unless your heart and your mind has been calibrated and readjusted, our song shifts as humans. I don't mean you. I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying the, the, the situation of humanity. Why didn't I give you an example? Okay, I'll give you an example. Atheists. If God was God, if God was God, why does he allow earthquakes? Well, hold on. You just told me he wasn't real. Now you're blaming him for the earthquake. Which is it? See, eventually there has to be an intellectual integrity, which is what they're trying to remove from our generation because it destabilizes a whole population. 
When you lose intellectual integrity, you, you, you become a destabilized place full of destabilized people who can be easily stolen from and manipulated. That was all free. So anyway, now let me just say this, and I want to wrap this up. God is obligated to do what he said. He is the truth. He cannot lie. It's not in him to lie. The reason people lie is because they're insecure or afraid. They don't have the power to follow through on what they said. They forgot. He has none of those issues. So he is the truth. He is faithful. He cannot lie. He is trustworthy. Therefore, we can trust him. But God is obligated to do what he said. God is not obligated to do what I want. Thank you, too. <laughs> so I'm going to say this again. God is not obligated to do what I want. Now, I know that we all have wants, and I have a nice long list, so I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. But God is not obligated to do what I want. He's obligated to do what he said. See, the difference between faith, let me tell you the difference between faith and presumption. Faith is rooted in what God said. Presumption is just rooted in what I want. They're not the same. It's interesting when you listen to someone, all that God says has everything to do with what they want. I'm like, wow, I'd like a God like that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> but then let me tell you one thing about a God like that. A God like that will let you down. One of the, I'm going to tell you two of the most painful times you'll ever experience in your life. Some of you are not going to believe me on the second one, but I'm telling you. One of the most painful things that you will experience in this life is when you don't get what your faith was hoping for. In other words, you are convinced that, you know, you were going to have a child at this time or that you were going to be able to buy a house here or that there was going to be room for you at a certain church, but then they just rejected you and you wind up here, unfortunately. Or, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> so, you know, in other words... You had faith in something and you really believed and even desired and even aligned yourself for that, but it didn't come. How you respond when you don't get what your faith is hoping for will either make you or break you. You will either lean in with great momentum into the next season or you'll get stuck and shipwrecked. Many people are shipwrecked in their faith because they didn't get what their faith is hoping for. So that's one thing that will really give you an open smack and really wake you up and see how, how you're going to handle and how you're going to respond because intellectually it's hard, it's very difficult to reconcile why this and why that and you may not have an intellectual answer. You'll have to move forward in faith. That's one season. Another season is really going to get you to, which is very interesting, and I, I would not have said this to you if I didn't experience it. There would be a time in your life, I promise you, you can send me a text message when this happens, where you really are believing for something. Like, whatever. Like, you're like, I, whatever it is. You name it. It could be something, uh, you know, a child, a house, or, you know, a Lamborghini, or whatever it is. Something that watch. Something that you really need. 
You have, you, it's, it's like, it has left the want and has become a need, you know. It has, it's not, a, it left want a long time ago. It's like, this has been a need. It's been screaming at me all day. Ah! You know, and, and you'll, be, you'll pray for it and you'll work toward it. And, you know, somehow, by the grace of God, you know, you, you, you slide into it. You get, you get it. And you will be vastly disillusioned that it did not deliver what it promised. Vastly disillusioned that whatever you were praying for and hoping for did not deliver to you what you wanted from it. I'll give you an example that's spiritual. When I was traveling in the ministry, I was praying that God would start opening doors. Open door, open door. And then you go, you get, guess what happened? Okay, doors open. And guess what? Here's the problem with doors. There's people behind those doors. <laughs> and behind closed doors, a lot of a lot of wild stuff happens behind closed doors. And then you get there on the other side of the door and you're like, I'm not so sure I want to be in that room. I, I want to create my own room. <laughs> not that room. I want to get out of there. There's like, <laughs> I want to be out of that room. You know, I'd rather do anything than be in this room. It's not a good room. And then your prayer shifts. Because that's what happened to me. The more I traveled, the more... I said, oh my God, I got to plant a church. This is not what I'm going to spend the years of my strength on. Nope, this is not good. And I, but the more my prayers got answered, the more I go, oh, maybe I need to pray something different. This isn't it. And I say that to you because as you grow and as you mature, your desires will change. Your desires will change. God, watch this, will refine and will purify and will mature your desires. It says that if you delight yourself in the Lord, that he will give you the desires of your heart. But here's the thing. I promise you, if you delight yourself in the Lord, the desires of your heart will change. And while they change, the Lord will respond to you in, in generous graciousness as a good daddy, as a good father. And you will realize that what you're hoping for and asking for is not it. And when you discover that, you will grow. And then you will be severed and you will, there will be attachments in your life to things and people and desires and ideas that will be severed. You know what happens when something is severed? That's it. It's not coming back. It's severed. You know, the, the, there's a part of your finger, like there's a level of which your finger, you get caught. They can go, okay, we'll put you in the bag. But there's a certain level of severing where once it's severed, that's it. It's called an amputation, right? When they, that's it, it ain't coming back. Now you can stick one of those little metal fans on there and do what you run and, you know, do a little social media thing there. But once that leg is gone, that thing is gone, it's not coming back. That thing is over. You know what I'm talking, I'm talking about an amputation. Have you seen that? <laughs> Sometimes, can I say something to you? Sometimes you need to go through a severe severing. And you might get a severance. 
See? That's free. But God does that. God says, okay, okay, okay. You want to let me do that? You want to let me cut that off in your life? Because the, the, what, what, is, what is the benefit? The benefit of, what is the reward, rather, of bearing fruit? You get pruned. Great job, son. You're getting pruned. Pruning doesn't feel good. Imagine if you were a tree. <laughs> it's cutting all you up. You're getting cut up. You're getting cut apart. That doesn't feel good. Oh, but don't worry, son. Pruning has economic implications. Why? Because it's preparing you to bear more fruit. And fruit, fruit isn't free. You, you, if you want to go somewhere in the kingdom, there has to be some severance, some, some severing, some, some great job. You've done great so far, son. Oh, I love you, man. I love your heart. You're awesome. Good. Yeah. We're going to do some cutting. Not because I'm a sicko, because I love you and I want to prune you so that you'll bear fruit because your level of purity and maturity is not ready for the next season. I've got to prune you. That's not bad. That's good. And then if you've ever been to a banana plantation, you will find that if you see, you've seen them in Africa, Dominican Republic, little uh, uh, tree, a little stalk, you know what it is? And the little stalk is hanging. And there's only one branch on a whole tree that bears fruit. One branch. Many are called. Many are called. Few are chosen. Few, few respond to the calling. Most people choose comfort, convenience, how their family views them. Most people will not respond wholeheartedly. Most people will sing Hosanna and crucify him. Most people will not show up at the cross. Most people will not follow him past their misunderstanding of him. Most people, will, most people will tap out. Most people will not endure. Straight is the gate that leads to life, and few find it. Most people are not willing for that. But I'm telling you, on the other side of the pruning and the pressure and the persecution, there is eternal life. There are things that you receive that you cannot buy or sell. There's favor. There's, there is God calling us in to be a part of what he's doing. Now, I want to finish up because this is already a hostage situation. This guy's amping me up. He's standing up. I'm not ready to, <laughs> I'm ready to tackle the glass door, you know. <laughs> so, so, I mean, but here's the thing. Jesus knew what he was getting himself into, and he still did it. He still did it. Same thing, Paul. Paul knew that trouble would befall him. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem anyway. I don't count my life dear unto myself. Go anyway. Go anyway. Anyway. God is not obligated to do what he said the way I think he should do it. God, I got a suggestion. <laughs> let's not do, let's not do the donkey. <laughs> let's, let's run back the donkey. Let's do a white horse, nice Italian leather saddle, nice Roman pouch, you know, little gold there, a little Versace type of flow. No, that's all right. We're going to show up on a mule. This is a different kind of kingdom. We're going straight to the temple. Interesting. God is not obligated to do what he said when I think 
he should do it. This was according to his schedule. God was on time. On the 10th day of Nisan, he showed up. Jesus was crucified. 9 a.m., they nailed him to the tree. Do you realize that? That's the morning sacrifice, 9 a.m. Jesus was taken off of the tree, 3 p.m. He hung on the tree six hours for humanity. Six is the number of man. 3 p.m., is the afternoon sacrifice. He is the morning and the evening sacrifice. He is the unleavened bread. He is the Lamb of God. He came to tabernacle among us. He is the high priest who said, it is finished. Imagine being the Lamb and the high priest. You know what? They would, they, they would also cook the Lamb with, with hyssop. Remember when they offered him hyssop? He said, no, I don't want that. I want to feel the full pain. I want to feel the full price. You know what hyssop is? Hyssop is a pain reliever. When they offered him hyssop on the tree, they were saying, listen, bro, you want some oxys? You want some oxys? You want to feel this pain? He said, nope. I'm thirsty, but I'm not drinking that. You have to learn to be thirsty and say, I'm not drinking that. Amen. See? They, they tried to offer him Temporary relief. He said, now, I want to feel the full weight of this. Sometimes you got to feel what you're going through so that you could feel when someone else is going through it. You know, I think that a lot of things today were said on multiple levels for people depending on where you are in your faith and your journey. But here is the good news. The good news is that they thought that they were doing the right thing and they didn't even know what they were doing. <laughs> because he actually did come to tabernacle. And he did come to dwell among us. But not in the way they thought he was going to dwell. And he did come to get victory. Victory over all of the powers. And he did. And he is the king. He's just not the king on their terms. He's the king on his terms. And that's what we have to really grab in our spirit, that we live in a culture where we have a relative amount of freedom. It's very expensive freedom, but, you know, we have a relative amount of freedom. And, and we, you know, we're kind of autonomous in our movements. We do our thing, and we're going to great have a nice overpriced lunch and be happy and take pictures of our food and have a nice sweet time and do fluffy blankets later and, you know, TV and have fun. And we have nice soft lives that are easy. And I'm thankful for that. I don't, I don't take that lightly. I appreciate that. But we have to remember one thing, that in Jesus and in the kingdom, it's on his terms, not ours. That's a really important thing, that if my freedom encroaches upon his lordship, I'm not actually free. See, like, for example, when you sign up for the army, you are signing up to surrender your freedom for what they tell you is a greater cause. Let's just say it's true. We'll pretend we believe that. And, and, but that's true in Jesus. We are submitting and surrendering our freedom, which is true freedom and leads to real life. And we are submitting and surrendering what is possible with our own strength. And in our weakness, we are embracing his strength. Which then says what was once impossible is now possible. Everything changes 
in real worship. That's why I said, no, 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 we got we to we go back at this for a minute. Because worship is the moment and in, in, in there's a space and time in worship where God comes in and he, he transcends our intellect and he transcends our natural understanding and he plants seeds in our life that are spiritual seeds of surrender. Where we begin to say, yes, Lord, I will. I don't know what it looks like, but I'll do it. I don't know how long it'll take, but I'll do it. I don't, may not like everyone I'm doing it with, but I'll do it. And they may not like me, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it because it's for you. And when you think of everything surrounding people who are ignorant of what God was really going to do, and they're throwing palms down because of what they want him to do, and then we rename the Sunday Palm Sunday. That's crazy. It's more like Donkey Day. <laughs> I'm going to name it Donkey Day. You know, like we may have Democrats come to church for once, you know? Like, imagine it's, it's about being a vehicle, watch this, that Jesus can sit on and guide where he's going. Can we host Jesus? Where did Jesus go? This is my last thing and then I'm done. Where did Jesus go? When you look at this narrative, in the most difficult moments and times in Jesus' life, this is all happening. Jesus goes back and forth to where? Where? Yeah, but that's deep. But on the human side of things. Wait a second. No, no, no. Where does he go camp out? Bethany. <laughs> he always camps out where he's welcome. He always camps out where he's welcome, where he's wanted, where they say, yeah, we got food for your guys. We got space in our life for you. Come sit at our table. We'll rearrange our life for you. You're welcome here. And he goes from Jerusalem to Bethany and Jerusalem to Bethany, back and forth. And that's in the most difficult week of his life. He goes where he's wanted and welcome. The question we have to ask ourselves, is he welcome in our life? Is he welcome in our home? Is he welcome? Let's pray. Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord. In our weakness, we welcome you. Lord, out of our need, we welcome you. In our abundance, we welcome you. On our good days, we welcome you. On our hard days, we welcome you. We ask you to be a people of welcome, a people of hospitality, a people who are willing to rearrange our life in our families, in our homes, in our schedules for you, Jesus, because you're worthy. Thank you for coming on that donkey and showing us that you're the lamb. Thank you for giving yourself, Lord. 
Thank you for the blood that speaks a better word. In Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.